how will we be consuming sports in 10 years from now? Right, we saw the XFL roll out a different type of product on their television broadcast. Unfortunately, the XFL is now folded due to the craziness of the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, since we're all in lockdown, it's a different time. But the XFL, they were putting up live updates of odds, spreads, player props on the television broadcast as you were watching the game. Is that something that's going to become more and more normal on the television broadcast that we consume for all sports, not just football, but any sports? So what is the future of betting? Daily fantasy has been huge, along with the traditional fantasy football that you play with your college friends, high school buddies, whatever it may be on those platforms. And now you throw in the legalization of sports gambling. How do you figure out those three categories? How do you market them? How do you mesh them? What is the future going to look like of how we consume sports, how we bet sports, and much more? There's a lot of questions to ask, and I have to bring in another great guest. I'm always going to say it's a great guest. I don't know when I'm going to spin it. Like, uh, we have an average guest coming up. (laughs) No, it's always going to be a great guest. And on this episode of The Fix, I'm bringing in Ben Heisler, expert, sports gambling insider, daily fantasy insider, uh, former sports radio host. He now focuses in the sports gambling industry. He is the host and executive producer of the Awful Announcing Podcast, has a massive following, very successful podcast, so please go follow that podcast at Awful Announcing. Ben Heisler has been in the industry for a long time. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Benny Heis, that's B-E-N-N-Y-H-E-I-S. Ben and I are going to talk about the sports gambling industry I talked with Johnny Avello from DraftKings on the last episode. More broad conversation. He is the director of operations for the DraftKings Sportsbook for all of the U.S. So I was asking him what content DraftKings is offering now, how COVID-19 and this pandemic has impacted the industry. On this episode of the podcast, Ben and I are going to talk about the future of sports gambling and how it's going to impact sports. And then you have the traditional fantasy football versus the daily fantasy lineups versus now another thing into that mix, which is sports gambling and the legalization of making sports bets on your phones in the brick and mortar locations now in Atlantic City and popping up all over the country. So we're going to get into all of that good stuff. It's a really interesting conversation. It makes you think about what the future is going to look like and the challenges of marketing these products in today's landscape of sports. We're also going to get into some fun prop bets and best bets for the NFL draft coming up on April 23rd through the 25th. Finally, a real sporting event that we can look forward to that's just around the corner. So Ben's going to give you some fun prop bets that he certainly did his homework on. So a fun conversation for you coming up. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Fix, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, all the platforms. We are up and running. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review. Be sure to follow Ben, like I said, at Benny Heiss. 
on Twitter and his podcast, Awful Announcing. Without further ado, Ben and I are going to get right into it. Ben, what's going on, man? Welcome to the pod, and uh, thanks for joining me. Congrats on, on all the success and launching of the fix. Uh, episode four, I can't believe you brought me on this early. I'm just hoping that you get to an episode five after this is done. <laughs> Man, all right. Should I just cancel this episode? No, no, like I'm just setting the bar one. real low. I'm trying to, you know, oversell. <laughs> That's and smart. Deliver. Yeah, absolutely. That's very smart. So uh, Ben and I, we're going to talk a lot about the sports gambling industry, what he has going on now. Uh, we're going to get into best bets, prop bets, what's out there for you to bet right now, what's not out there. We know what's not out there a lot, but we're going to get into all that. Uh, but first, you know, Ben has an interesting journey, like like most of us in the industry, just grinding it out, trying to do a variety of different things. Now, Ben, let the listeners know and even fill me in a little bit on on your past, because you've really switched gears and switched focus uh, to this industry, this industry being the sports gambling world. But you were in sports radio, just just like all of us. So I guess give us a quick uh, overview of your path. Yeah, it's been about 10 years sort of on the professional grind. And I started off doing what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life, which was uh, play-by-play for baseball. I was doing that all throughout the summers throughout college. And uh, right after I graduated over at IU and uh, Indiana University in 2010, I was doing play-by-play outside of St. Louis. And the more I started to hear myself call games, the more I realized I just I didn't have that sound for for baseball play by play. You got to have this very deep melodic voice, uh, and I sounded like yeah. Mickey Mouse on helium. And I just thought to myself, you know what? This probably isn't going to be the direction that I end up going in. So I ended up doing a little bit of networking in D.C. Ended up getting a job as a producer for MLB Network Radio uh, over at Sirius XM, with the goal of eventually working my way there uh, into more on air stuff. And, and I love my time at MLB. Uh, but the on-air side just wasn't coming along. I kind of felt like I had sort of hit a ceiling there. And that's what led me to Kansas City. Uh, at the beginning of 2014, I went on to be the executive producer of the Afternoon Drive show with a guy named Danny Parkins, who's now doing Afternoon Drive in Chicago, and Carrington Harrison. Both of those two dudes are two of the, the most talented guys that I've ever had a chance to work with. And we really built up that afternoon show uh, when it came to ratings-wise. I was also there at the right time with the Royals starting to get good, Chiefs being Pat Mahomes, all of that sort of culminating together. Um, and, and so I love my time there, and I also got a chance to start our own fantasy show, and that just wasn't there at the station at the time. Got me heavily involved in the fantasy sports and DFS side, and that led to my next opportunity, which was running a DFS startup called Fantasy Sports Markets, and our goal was basically uh, to try compete with the the DraftKings and the FanDuels of the world, but um, we were a staff of about three people. Uh, it was me running the uh, day-to-day operations. We had a, uh, a back-end developer to, to help the site go and, and somebody that I reported to. So um, we, were, we were a little bit behind the wheel, but it was a really good site. It was sort of predicated on doing the daily fantasy thing, except there was no salary cap. You could choose the guys that you wanted to play. Uh, without any sort of restrictions. And if you hit a perfect team, if you got all the top scoring players on your team, uh, you could turn a $20 entry into like a hundred thousand bucks. And a lot of people came close. We had some winners over in basketball and golf season. Uh, and those people ended up winning some thousands of dollars over on our site. And we were growing, but unfortunately we ended up losing our funding towards the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we always knew too, Ryan, that 
the DFS and fantasy was just going to be a small part of what we were trying to build because more and more people were gravitating towards the legal sports wagering side. Then of course, PAPSA get, gets overturned and, and every everything becomes completely different. And you saw the writing on the wall and we were starting to prepare for that. Um, and so once we ended up losing our funding, I knew that my focus, if it was going to be on the content side, was to either A, just focus again on fantasy and already crowded field, or start to work my way towards the, the sports wagering content, maybe find a way to bring those two industries together. Because you know, sports gambling is basically like the older influential brother of fantasy sports. It's like the one yep. buying alcohol for it when it's like 17, 18 years old, trying to pass it along at the party. So that's what's led me to that. Space. Yeah. It's like Matthew McConaughey. Exactly. In, uh, Days and yes. Confused. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's spot on. So, um, I mean, it was always an area that was fascinating to me and I'd been studying it up while trying to become a better DFS player because you need the two uh, roads to intersect. And so that's, what's led me down that sports gambling content road. And I really couldn't be happier that I've traveled down it. Yeah, man, that's that's perfect. I'm patting myself on the back for bringing you on this early because that's the, that's the stuff I really want to get into. Um, I mean, I really don't even know where to start, but I, I think your path is interesting with the daily fantasy and starting with a fantasy sports show. And then you had the vision of essentially at the very minimum, knowing what was coming next uh, in the early stages of the sports gambling industry, because I used to work for DraftKings and DraftKings, as you know, is very strong in daily fantasy. And then all of a sudden sports gambling becomes legalized in New Jersey, at least from, from my experience. And you hit the nail on the head. It's a completely different demographic. So I guess from your experience, what I'm getting at is how do you, how do you mesh that together? What are some of the challenges that you faced or maybe what are some of the, creative, successful ideas that you've come up with to maybe implement all of that into it's one? It's a great question. And it's still something that I'm trying to figure out every day because I know that you're trying to hit so many niche audiences when it comes to your social media following, when it comes to different elements of sports gambling. Um, I, I think the best way to take it is that it's all the data that you're trying to accumulate when it comes to fantasy sports, when it comes to player profiles, um, and projections for every individual player, there is an element that crosses over in the form of the prop market. So if you think, for example, um, that Carson Wentz is going to throw for 275 yards or say the over-under is like 274 and a half, and, and your model already, because yeah. this is what you're already doing for fantasy sports, is projecting on the higher side and you have a better chance to get on that side. Like, there's already a natural crossover. You're already looking for projections and trying to find value in fantasy. And I think the same thing can be found. That's super I, you know interesting. What I mean? like that's, that's the same thing in sports. Yeah. You are trying to value. You're trying to find the right line. You're shopping for the best places to go ahead and make your bet. So there's an inherent mutual connection to each other. So if I go ahead and, and tweet out, I think Carson Wentz just goes off. He's, he's absolute nails. Uh, in his upcoming matchup against Dallas, here's why. You know, the fantasy, like, okay, he's a guy that I can start this week. You know, the season-long guys, all right, so I can take Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott in this matchup because the numbers would indicate that it's a better matchup for Wentz. But then gambling, then you're like, okay, well, I bet the Eagles, but right now they're, you know, minus two and a half. I don't know if that's good value. Well, okay, let's go back to the prop market. Let's see where the lines have been set for Wentz to come in. 
And so many different projection models too, Ryan, can, can alter from week to week. But if you can find value, and again, so much of it is sort of shopping around and finding ways to sort of make your efficiency levels a lot better, uh, onto something. So I think it's sort of a language that's understood because everything in the fantasy and the sports wagering side is all about finding the best value at the maximum opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's it's so interesting with all that stuff because here's the thing. It's like I, I asked you about challenges or how to mesh them together, but at the same time, there's really not any challenges. Like the, the industry outside of this pandemic and the unfortunate circumstances that the country finds themselves in with no sports going on, like there there's a there's enough room in the market, I guess, is what I'm getting at for everyone to be successful. But yet there's still so much room for for growth. I mean, New Jersey had a month where they beat Nevada yeah, and Las absolutely. Vegas in overall handle, you know, but then you still have the daily fantasy market that's extremely successful. But I think each of those divisions, I guess I can call them, have their demographic where I, you walk into DraftKings brick and mortar in Atlantic City and you have the guys that are still writing down on paper, still want their odd sheets in their hand, right. <laughs> you know, like. It's like, dude, dude, you know, you can go on your phone. You know, you don't even have to walk in here, but that's just not what they want to do. And then you have the flip side, the younger demographic of people that are only playing fantasy sports and are only playing daily fantasy. They don't care even about the over under of Carson Wentz total. Yards. Absolutely. You know what I'm getting at? I, I think what will be key over the next several years is the sports betting industry finding the right way to channel and market what they're selling to all these different target audiences because sports wagering has been going on for a long, long time in not really an official capacity other than Las Vegas. And most recently, you know, on, on the Atlantic city side, it really starting to expand in, in the Philly and Jersey area. You're starting to see it launch in, in the Colorado area, uh, Illinois launched at the beginning of 2020, which is exciting for me uh, as a, originally a, a Chicago guy. So basically go home from Kansas city. I'll see my family and then I'll probably head on over to rivers and, and play some bets until uh, the mm -hmm. mobile app starts to come through. Like I'm, I'm genuinely excited with the, the direction that this is going because it's also bringing in a ton of generated revenue uh, for the States. And I hope I'm hoping that they're really committed uh, to doing good work uh, with the opportunity that they have in hand, but you're right though, Ryan, like it's all about trying to find the best ways to market that. So if you are an old school better, um, Find a place that is a little bit more brick and mortar that wants to give you that great experience in-house. Um, you know, the, the brick and mortar sports books are, are still looking to do that because they know that it's still a source of income for them. There's enough people that have been doing this a certain way that have been going to Vegas for a long time and now know that they don't have to go ahead and book expensive plane tickets, get on a plane, get a super nice hotel. You can just have that experience now, maybe a 20 or 30 minute drive away. Conversely, if you're talking about a younger audience that just wants the convenience that's already on their phone, how are you going to make the product appealing? How are you going to give them a, a effective line where they're going to be likely be, be shopping for, for something better? They, the people that are in charge of marketing for these uh, brick and mortar sports books right now, and also on the digital side, it's such an important job because you can reach literally almost everybody because everybody has an interest in making their viewing experience better. It doesn't just have to be for sports. Like people are yeah. betting in politics right now. People are betting in entertainment. Like people love to bet on The Bachelor, even though there's there's spoilers for it. So all of these markets can essentially come together if you know the right way to hit your audience. Right now, that audience is everybody. So it's a genuinely gold 
plate marketing opportunity, and I hope they take advantage of it. I just feel like it's like raining yes. gold right now in this industry. And maybe maybe you and I are like naive. I don't think we are. I mean, I genuinely feel like that's that's how it is. Um, so I'm going to ask you a quick two part question here. N- number one, the demographic of male 21 to 52. I mean, that's sports radio. That's my demographic in reality on this podcast. And that's the sports gambling demographic out of daily fantasy traditional i guess air quotes traditional fantasy Mm -hmm. sports category number two and then sports gambling category number three what's the leader in the 21 to 52 demographic uh demographic in your mind if we're talking about right now from a legal standpoint i still think traditional fantasy is probably where it is now that doesn't necessarily mean where the money is coming from but if you go and you looked at uh, like FSGA and you look at the different fantasy data that's been collected over the years, and I'd have to pull up the official sheet, but you know, just if you're doing a, a season long league with your buddies on Yahoo or on ESPN, those numbers are probably just going to dwarf, are just going to step all over daily fantasy numbers, even with the growth of daily fantasy and sports wagering, if we're talking about it from a legal standpoint, because it's still only in select markets. As more states continue to open it up, I think those numbers are going to change. I still think people are going to do their traditional season-long leagues, but you're going to see more people continue to dive in on the the DraftKings and the FanDuel side for DFS um, as long as more states start to open those up. I I just think it's sort of a level of its accessibility. If you have it available in all 50 states, you're more likely to have people participating in it. And there's also no money that's attached in the ESPN and Yahoo leagues directly correlated to the site, right? It's, it's independent. Like you could do something yeah. through a site called league safe, which everybody puts in a hundred bucks and then league safe pays out their winners at the end of the season. You can do it that way. But as more States start to allow for legal sports wagering, that's going to be the King. That's what everybody knows. That's what everyone's familiar with. It's as easy as saying one team versus the other, or one high score, one over versus one under the whole process is simplified. And that's what's going to lead more people in that direction. Oh, I don't have to make a new team and deal with with waiver wires and free agent pickups and, and changing my team around each week. For some people, they love it, but other people, no, God, I, I'm a Bears fan. I, you know, I want to bet the Bears this week. Boom, you can go and bet the Bears. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend doing that all the time because they have a, a shit quarterback. But, um, well, you know, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do say that they, they did bring they did bring <laughs> in uh, the Philly special in full, so maybe that changes this year. But that's. Nah, listen, man, he's not going to do much for no? you guys. Okay. I, I know my Philly people are going to, you know, kill me for that. But he had a magical run in Philly, but he's he's an average quarterback. Yeah, but that's a whole that's nother totally road. Fair. But I do think I do think once <laughs> once more states start to open up because the money's coming in, like you said, um, New Jersey had a pretty incredible run even over Vegas lately. Um, so as more states start to open up, that's where the money's going to be. And that's where people are going to start to gravitate to. Yeah, I mean, even uh, a mutual friend of ours, Aton Shander, I remember during the football season, he was adamant. He's like, I- I'm a daily fantasy player now. Like, instant gratification, I think, For is a sure. big factor in this industry because you can go on daily fantasy and every week you have a new chance at winning big money. Every week you can have a completely different team. Forget every week, every time slot. 1 p.m. games, 4 p.m. games, yep. Sunday night games, Sunday night and Monday night, only Monday night. I mean, it's 
it's insane what you're able to do. And I think that's, that's the market that you touched on. So let's, let's focus on daily fantasy sports for one second. And what in your mind, this is a tough question maybe to ask and measure, but what in your mind is the future for daily fantasy sports betting for daily fantasy sports betting. So, so really quickly, just to, just to go off on one other thing that you said, you're, you're spot on about the the daily fantasy structure and the instant gratification. I, I still think the only reason that more traditional fantasy outlets are having an advantage is because it appeals to more of a widespread audience. More people just know it. It's been around a little bit longer. They've embraced it. They accept it. They know what it is. Um, and like I said, you're not going to Yahoo or ESPN and depositing and putting in money uh, compared to DraftKings or FanDuel or Yahoo or wherever wherever else you might be playing. Now, that could still change as we become a more sports betting, sports wagering oriented society. Like that could all just sort of change on a dime. But where I think the, the future of, of what DFS could start to look like um, you're always going to have your, your basic level, but you're starting to see like FanDuel incorporate uh, a bingo type of game over the last couple of years. We saw that, uh, DraftKings has instituted another wide variety of different ways to play. You have showdown slates, uh, which has become a lot of fun. You have the tiers where you can basically choose anybody that you want, but it can only be from tier one, tier two, tier three. Um, one of the things that we did at fantasy sports markets, which I loved and I, and you know, I, I, I'm waiting for another company to steal this idea. We did it for the NCAA tournament and started using and during the postseason was a survivor mode. And basically what that was is let's say you, you did a survivor team of 10 players for the NCAA tournament, right? If you get the perfect team, you could win a million dollars on a $20 entry. You would choose a team of 10 guys. Didn't positions didn't really matter. But you would choose a team of 10 that you thought were going to put up the most amount of points during the NCAA tournament. And if you thought that Duke was going to make it to the final against Virginia, let's say it was, you know, last year's Duke team, you know, then you'd have like Trey Jones and Zion Williamson and all the big Duke guys on your team. Then you'd probably have some guys from Virginia Mm -hmm. on your team. Uh, And then maybe a couple guys that you think are just going to put up monster numbers leading up to the final four. So the strategy was entirely different, but you have one team throughout the entirety of the tournament. We did that for the Major League Baseball postseason too. We did it for the NBA round by round of the postseason up till the finals. So that- I love it's, that. It's, it's finding it. other ways where, yeah, you may not have the complete instant gratification as you would have just playing for a one-day contest, but you have these all different other ways to use your creativity, to have a different set of levels and be able to go up against other people in these wide varieties of contests. So it is imperative that draft- FanDuel continue to evolve from what they already are because there's already there's always going to be a market for that. There's always going to be the the hardcore, the diehards. But if you can find more ways to bring in, and, and this applies to the sports betting, if you find more ways to bring in the casual fan to play your game, you are going to be golden because that's where a lot of that money can come from. If you get that guy finally, uh, you know, I never bet before. I don't really want to try it. To, uh, maybe I'll make one bet then maybe they want to make two bets. And now they start playing on a little bit more of, of a consistent basis. You're not trying to churn out complete degenerates, but you want guys to be able to, to be more <laughs> familiar with it, to have new games to be able to play, to create something that's exciting for them. You know, it's like in radio. How do you get that guy that turned you on for the first time uh, into a P3 and then a P2 where they're starting to listen a little bit more often yeah. to a P1 where that guy's downloading your podcast? 
he's listening, he's telling his friends about your show. There are all these different ways to slowly get that converted audience. And I think it's the same with sports betting. How do you make that connection? I agree. And it's just, I could talk about this with you probably for an entire day. It's just, I think it's so interesting. I hope the listeners uh, feel the same. How will we be consuming sports in 10 years in your mind, Ben? So when I ask that question, I mean, how does all of this, what we're talking about, infiltrate traditional sports? We're already starting to see it. Unfortunately, the XFL has to kind of uh, fold up shop shop with the pandemic going on, but they were doing it. And by doing it, I mean, on their broadcast, they had live lines, they had, you know, updated, updated odds on player props on the game, everything like that. And that was so intriguing to me because you have to say to yourself, at what point does this become normal? At what point in the year 2030, like how different is that going to look for the average person just consuming their sport. And something that I've thought about for a while, because I've been, I think the best sort of example that I can think of as far as like a traditional television audience, ultimately I think there's going to be live streams that people can watch on their phone, uh, on their tablets. Um, that's going to be more conducive to a live betting type of, you're going to see a lot more of those type of stats as opposed to sort of in-game stats, you know, it's a, a better doesn't really care if a guy is 22 for his last 30. You know, he wants to know sort of in this game, uh, what the market looks like, whether or not the next pitch is going to be a fastball at plus 350, whatever it might be. That's the type of data that I think you're going to start to see. And I think there's going to be more channels for it as well. But the example that I was going to give is, do you remember during the, the major league baseball playoffs, ESPN did this a couple of times. And, and my buddy, Jason Benetti was on the call, sort of the advanced stats, broadcast the the stat cast broadcast you remember those yes i do okay so all of a sudden it's the same game it's a professional broadcast you still have an outstanding play-by-play guy you still have your traditional analyst but then you also have somebody like mike patriello that is much more aware of advanced mlb metrics and also how to present them to a viewing audience so i think you might slowly and surely get that in the form of another broadcast. You might have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the Fox NFL game of the week, and then Fox might have something on FS1 that is that same broadcast, but now it's tailored towards a betting audience and it's incorporated with Fox bets. Uh, Or ESPN is able to do that with one of their other channels for Monday Night Football. Uh, Maybe ESPN2 um, or ESPNU or whatever it might be. ESPN News has that same feed. It's kind of like what they do with the, the college football championship. You have all these ways of consuming ultimately the same game, but the difference is how they're presenting it. And so and all of a sudden, if you have it with a couple bookmakers and you have it with the guy say, this is how I would adjust the line uh, for the next quarter, or this is where I feel like the momentum is now on this side, and I think you can get good value on the, uh, on the visiting team. I, I feel like that's coming. And the other thing that I would say too is especially with more smart TVs and a lot of us sort of using uh, Alexa type devices with Amazon or, or Google Home, I think we're going to start trying to tell our TV how to act like NFL Red Zone. Like if you had an MLB package and you're looking down at your phone and you made a, a West Coast lineup, you might just start hopping around and saying like, hey, Alexa, turn my TV to the, to the A's Rays game. And it all of a sudden hops on because you're following that action already. And so I think the, we're going to start viewing our, our sports gaming experience, I think, more in an NFL red zone type of format. 
because I think that's ultimately what we want, what we crave. It's what our attention spans are taking us to right now. You know, watching one NFL game from start to finish is sort of becoming a a lost art for a lot of people. A lot of people can't really do it anymore because red zone ruined it for us. It made it that much more exciting because you're just chasing the action. So I feel like those are a couple areas that we might see our sports media, especially the, the, the actual broadcasts of the game, maybe change over the next, I don't know, 10 years or so. It, you, we know it's coming and 10 years, I think, is a, a conservative timeline of the change. I mean, we could see it as early in the next five years. We've already seen the change in the past. It's already behind us now on the on the changes that are being implemented on how the the public consumes their sports and, and the sports gambling industry, whether that's daily fantasy, traditional fantasy uh, or just the the, the sports gambling uh, traditional, I guess, methods of betting and player props. That's all changing and it's changing fast. Um, during this pandemic, we have seen New Jersey and Nevada approve the betting of, you brought it up earlier, Ben, uh, approve the betting of Survivor Series on TV. Uh, over under on how many times the president says the word fantastic. Um, <laughs> esports. And yeah. that's the big thing. And, you know, they approved, what was it? Uh, NASCAR did a yeah, the simulation. Yes, the iRacing. And they approved that to be bet on. They approved a Counter-Strike tournament to be bet on. I saw a gentleman um, kind of roll out a, a betting on the weather app and website that gained a ton of traction a week or two ago when, you know, in the early stage of this pandemic. So what I'm getting at with all of this is... When does that become normal in your mind? Is there a market there? And I, I'm sure you believe the answer is yes, but just, just talk about the esports, what NASCAR and, and Nevada did and, and all that other good stuff. It made so much sense to jump in when they did. And to anybody that was in the esports space before all of this got started, man, what a what a heady play by you. Jeff Eisenman yeah. is a great follow on Twitter, and this is a guy that's sort of been in this space for a long time. And I'm starting to see him blow up right now because he was involved in the 2K space. Uh, he was already covering uh, a lot of the different areas of esports. And now he's in more in demand than he ever has been in the midst of no sports being on. It's pretty remarkable. Um, I, I think where I'm going to be really intrigued happens when sports comes back and whether we naturally gravitate towards uh, betting on the sports that we're used to and accustomed to, whether that just sort of becomes the marketplace or whether we have now created more niche areas for people to bet on and people just don't want to go away from it. So if the iRacing circuit is already a thing in NASCAR and NASCAR comes back, are people still going to want to bet on iRacing? Are people still going to want to bet on Madden simulations? Um, which I've, I've done you know, a couple times and uh, I, I've enjoyed it, um, but I'd still rather bet on the actual game itself because it's still a video game simulation and I... I feel a little bit hollow inside every time I do. And I, I get a glare from my <laughs> wife uh, whenever I tell her, Hey, you know, I, I think the chiefs in this matchup, they're only minus 11 and a half against the Raiders on the road. I, I feel like, you know, based on the last three, four simulations that they've had, they've clobbered teams. <laughs> by 17 or She's just shaking her head. Yeah, she's yeah. like, you know, at some point, like we have to send our son to college. Right. I was like, well, yes, and this is how we're going to make that happen. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I think it's all, I think it's all relative. I think if you're, if there's a market for it, like I, I heard Dave Mason 
uh, who runs Bet Online, do an interview over at 670 The Score in Chicago, one of the the, the top sports stations uh, in the in in the city of Chicago. And the host is asking him, like, what? How can you guys figure out like what people what to bet on it, and how do you effectively set lines? And his his answer was basically, we need people coming to our site, even if we take a loss right now. Once sports comes back, then we're going to have the guys that had a long time of experience putting it together the lines and people are going to be making bigger bets. But, you know, if we put on a, a $50 max cap on marble racing and people want to bet marble racing, is it the end of the world if we lose on those bets? No, because the numbers aren't there. We need people playing so that they're aware of us and ready for us when sports come back. So that's the thing that I'm really interested to find out is when sports do in fact come back, how is that going to dictate what betting markets actually look like and the choices that are involved? I would imagine that a lot of these options are still going to stay because we've already seen some sort of an interest in it. Will it be as popular as it is right now? Probably not because you're going to have sports back. But I do think the niche markets have slowly started to shift as far as sports betting goes. And that's fascinating to me. It really is. I, I'm with you. And that's, listen, you, you're right it's going to shift back towards what we know, what we're comfortable with. But I think what this time frame could potentially have done for us is once again, ushered in a new demographic. I mean, you talk about all the people that are online for live streaming, whether that's on Twitch, whether that's wherever playing counter-strike playing NBA 2k Madden. And now you say, wait, this massive demographic that isn't typically betting on the over-under of the Nets Sixers game on Tuesday night, they can bet on their esports. They can bet on sports simulators. So I think that's something to keep an eye on whenever we transition out of this, you know, quarantine stage that we're in in the country. Uh, really interesting stuff. I want to transition now, Ben, with you to some actual sports that's going on, and I want your expertise. The only thing we have on the map here on our schedule is the NFL draft. April 23rd to the 25th. So I'm just going to let you take the floor a little bit. What is the best bets out there for listeners that are just desperate to place bets? Everyone has the draft circled. So what are some things that, that you like? Okay. I, I've put a few of these together. Uh, they're mostly sort of silly prop bets, but they have been able to be found. I bet MGM had a couple of them. DraftKings might've had a couple of them. So you, you're going to have to go to your own, respective legal sites to be able to find them. Or if you're if you're looking on offshore, that's not something that I am endorsing, but I will also say that a lot of these might also be theoretically available there. So um, okay. let, let, let's start with uh, a fun little LSU prop. Uh, I think the over-under is at four and a half LSU Tigers taken in the first round. Uh, you have Joe Burrow, it's likely the consensus top quarterback. Justin Jefferson, probably top three, top four wide receiver. Uh, Pat McQueen is probably the top inside linebacker uh, in the draft. And then you have, uh, uh, I always screw up his name. It's, I think it's Caleb on Chasen, uh, who's one of the top two or three edge guys. So I have a feeling that four guys are probably going in the first round. But after that, um, I think it's more of a toss-up. I think they're more second-round picks, and there's always a run on certain positions. So uh, Grant Delpit is a projected first, second-round pick at safety. Uh, you have the running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, uh, he's not going to go before somebody like uh, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, Jonathan Taylor uh, out of Wisconsin. So if you're not you're seeing that over under on LSU Tigers taken in the first round uh, at anything under four and a half, I like the under there. 
I just feel like there's three of them that are probably locks. And then maybe one other one that I feel pretty good about going in the first round. Afterwards, I just don't think that those guys are likely going in the first. Tua Tagovailoa. This one is fascinating. I saw one. This was from a couple days ago, and we've seen some new information come out regarding his medicals. Um, but you can get uh, Tua Tagovailoa's draft position under two and a half. There's good value there at plus 310 if you think that uh, Cincinnati is going to take him at number one if you don't believe it's going to be Burrow. Or if you believe that uh, Washington will trade out or another team will try to trade up to get Tua. Um, I just don't see that happening. I think too many teams are worried about his medicals. And even though it's at minus 400, uh, at least the last time I checked, I think the over on two and a half for draft position for Tua is probably the way to probably uh, the way to go. A couple other ones. I'll, I'll fly through these for you, Ryan. Um, I, yeah, I, I saw it. this one. It said, who will Joe Burrow hug first? When his name is called, <laughs> you can get his mom at five to four, his dad at five to two, or his girlfriend at three to one. Uh, I, I'm going with the favorite <laughs> here. And I went back and I looked at the tape from after he won his Heisman because he went and he congratulated and hugged all the other candidates and then went right to his mom. So I have a feeling that you, you can still get some decent odds on mom for Joe Burrow on who he's going to hug first. Uh, I think it's worth taking the favorite there. You can get it. It's still at a decent rate. Uh, which tight end will be drafted first? A lot of people think it's Cole Komet, uh, but I did see that Dane Brugler over at The Athletic has Adam Troutman as his number one tight end, and Adam Troutman is coming in at plus 700 as the top tight end available. So if you have a, a pretty quality expert saying that this is his top guy, and especially with all the trades coming in in the middle of the second round, all it takes is one GM to get aggressive to go and get their guy, and I think Adam Troutman at plus 700 uh, is probably good value there. Here's the final one for you. I saw this, I think, from BetMGM. Total dogs shown in the first round, over, under, <laughs> three and a half. Remember, all these different players uh, are going to be on Zoom conferencing or however they're going to be yeah. brought in. And yeah, there's a bunch of them are probably going to have dogs. I'm not saying that there's only going to be three or four dogs from all these different family events. But remember, you're not viewing the whole room on Zoom, you're just probably viewing a few people all hanging around a webcam. How's the dog going to get involved? He's just going to jump on the couch and start licking the guy's face after he gets drafted? No. <laughs> Give me the under on total dog shown in the first round. I think you'll see one. I think maybe you'll see two. But any more than that, I'd be awfully surprised. See, that's why you're the best, man. You're actually going and doing game film, game film prep on hugs. <laughs> All right, that's that's the good stuff right there. That is listen. Awesome, it, it, it burned uh, me so. though for the uh, for the Super Bowl because I'm trying to remember. I think it was Demi Lovato that was doing the national anthem, and I had seen the film of her from the, I think it was the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, and she went two twelve, and I think the over under was set at a minute fifty six or maybe a minute fifty eight, and 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 the yeah right, right and there. so the three that she had done before that were right at that level. And then she went super long acapella for the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. And I thought, okay, not only did she go super long acapella for that, but she's going to have a music backing behind her. Music tends to go a little bit slower. I thought it was going to be a guaranteed two-minute plus on the national anthem. And that was based on all the film that I watched. And sure enough, she cruised through it, hit it at like a minute 51, and I got clobbered on the national anthem. So sometimes the film doesn't always play a role, but I think in this case maybe it will. Hey, that's what um, that's what what brings us back in <laughs> this right. industry is you can prep, you can do whatever, but there's that element of unknown, regardless of the ridiculousness of the prop bet, <laughs> the real bet. It doesn't matter, man. That's 
that's the beauty of it. So, Ben, I've had a lot of fun talking to you, man. I'm definitely going to have to bring you back on. But, but before we wrap things up, just please plug everything you have going on. Where can the listeners find you on social media? You know, anything you want to. I appreciate that, Ryan. This has been a lot of fun. And and anytime I'm more than willing to talk to generacy, betting, fantasy, whatever you want. (laughs) This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd say the easiest place for people to find me is uh, is right on Twitter at Benny Heiss. Uh, That's usually where I link to any articles that I'm doing, any video content. Uh, If people want to download the awful announcing podcast, uh, they can do so wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we finished a couple weeks ago with Joe Davis, the uh, Fox Sports broadcaster. He's also the voice of the Dodgers. Uh, before that, we talked to Chris Fowler. Uh, and then over the next few weeks or so, uh, we're going to have conversations with uh, the GOAT, Ernie Johnson from uh, NBA on TNT, also Major League Ooh. Baseball on TBS, and a possibility, too. I don't want to go ahead and, and say that it's happening, but a uh, good chance that uh, – my old pal Joe Buck might hop on the broadcast uh, over the next couple of weeks. So EJ and Joe Buck, hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, over at the Awful Announcing Podcast. And you can find those wherever you get your podcasts from. Oh, that's great, man. So go do that. EJ and Joe Buck, I'm in. I, I know I'll be listening. Those are two legends right there. Good stuff. Uh, be sure to follow him, like you said, on Twitter at Benny Heist. You won't be disappointed. And uh, trust me, he'll be back on this podcast um, probably sooner than he wants, but we'll, we'll have, we'll have you on again, Ben. I, I, I appreciate your time, brother. It was a lot of fun and, um, you know, stay safe and, and best wishes out there. W- what are you watching right now on Netflix or TV? How are you staying yeah, busy? So we got a, uh, my wife and I have a, uh, about a 10, 11 month old son. It's our first kid at home. She's working from home. She's a, a teacher. So now we're sort of dealing with the fact that I was working from home for a while. She's now working from home and we got this got this munchkin you know just sort of hanging and crawling around and keeping us busy so when we're not with him we're not trying to find ways to entertain him uh tv wise we, we got through tiger king had a blast with that uh yes i believe <laughs> yep. carol killed her husband uh that's now on the record uh good and, good uh, and then i'm trying to think of what else we started a show also on netflix called uh i'm sorry with andrea savage and the the drummer from that thing you do because i don't remember his name uh, that's a that one's I've watched. I'm good. sorry, that's yeah, a good one. I think it's originally on True TV. Yeah. We've really enjoyed that show. I think yep. we're going to watch Unorthodox uh, coming up next, which is on Netflix. I've been all over uh, the final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's my all-time favorite show, so I cruise through that. Uh, Ozark is up on my list as well. And, and after that, man, I'm just trying to think of of what else we've been been turning into. Uh, but yeah, a lot of. I mean, that's yeah, that's Netflix, all of it. a lot of Netflix, <laughs> you know, a lot of like... HBO, and. Uh, trying to just get my little bit of news each day because uh, sometimes it can drive you crazy. It certainly can. Ben, uh, thanks again, brother. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, stay safe. And I'm sure we'll talk. You got it, Ryan. Stay safe. Stay sane. This is a lot of fun. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the fix. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. Great conversation, man, with Ben. He is a, a good dude, knowledgeable, and just a lot of fun to talk all sports, but especially uh, everything going on in the sports gambling world. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ryan973ESPN. That's where you can get all of my content, especially everything here regarding The Fix. Be sure to follow The Fix on Twitter at Ryan the Fix. 
uh, also on Instagram as well. Once again, subscribe, rate, leave a review, and be sure to follow Ben at Benny Heiss on Twitter and his podcast, Awful Announcing. You heard it from him. Ernie Johnson, Joe Buck. He is legit. He's going to have good guests, as he always does, on Awful Announcing. So thanks again to Ben for joining me on another episode of The Fix. We'll see you again soon. Who am I going to have on next time? Find out.